Kia ora. This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Good morning everyone and welcome to Alcoholics Anonymous meeting on air. My name is Dan, I'm an alcoholic and your chairperson for today's meeting. You can all say hi Dan if you want to. Hi Dan. Hi. <laughs> Alright, well um, what we'll do is we'll, um, we'll open the meeting as we always do with the serenity prayer. So if you'd like to all join me. God, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. All right, I'll read the AA preamble now. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of people who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We're self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. All right, so um, we've got an um, all-star meeting today, a bit of a, um, you know, not affiliated with any particular home group, but just got some special guests in the studio today, and we'll just have a, um, a great sharing meeting with some readings in between. Uh, so what I'll do is I will, I will start off and... Um, with a, a reading from the, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is over here. <laughs> and um, what I'm going to do is read a little bit um, of chapter 6, I think it is, more about alcoholism. That's my, it's, um, quite a good little bit. Let me just find it here. All right. Just bear with me for a moment. I'm flicking into... into um, There it is. Chapter 3 it is, not chapter 6. Chapter 3, more about alcoholism. Most of us have been unwilling to admit we were real alcoholics. No person likes to think he is bodily and mentally different from his fellows. Therefore, it is not surprising that our drinking careers have been characterised by countless vain attempts to prove we could drink like other people. The idea that somehow, someday, he will control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. We learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. This is the first step in recovery. The delusion that we are like other people, or presently maybe, has to be smashed. We alcoholics are men and women who have lost the ability to control our drinking. We know that no real alcoholic ever recovers control. All of us felt at times that we were regaining control, but such intervals, usually brief, were inevitably followed by still less control, which led in time to pitiful and incomprehensible demoralisation. We are convinced to a man that alcoholics of our type are in the grip of a progressive illness. Over any considerable period we get worse, never better. We are like men who have lost their legs. They never grow new ones. Neither does there appear to be any kind of treatment which will make alcoholics of our kind like other men. 
we have tried every imaginable remedy. In some instances, there has been brief recovery, followed always by a still worse relapse. Physicians who are familiar with alcoholism agree there is no such thing as making a normal drinker out of an alcoholic. Science may one day accomplish this, but it hasn't done so yet. So that was a reading from Chapter 3 of the Alcoholics Anonymous book. Um, uh, the chapter is called More About Alcoholism. All right, well, let's, um, let's kick off with the sharing. So I'd like to invite Asher to share first. Sure. Um, hi, my name's Asher. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, hi Asher. Uh, yeah, um, good to be here and sober uh, and not hungover on a Saturday morning um, and be able to be on the radio and in, um, in a meeting. That's a good a good reading. Uh, it, it was a long time... Um, you know, actually it required me to come into Alcoholics Anonymous to understand um, in those terms um, the facts about my alcoholism, um, things which I guess I sort of suspected or, or, or knew by experience beforehand about my drinking, um, but which, you know, the big book and hearing other people share their stories has allowed me to put into words um, about, uh, for example, the desire to drink like other people, um, the, the hope that one day maybe I could um, control my drinking. Um, there's a, a story in the back of the big book. Um, the, the last part of the big book is just a series of uh, people's stories and one of them has a little introduction describing the the person whose story it is saying um when he enjoyed his drinking he couldn't control it and when he controlled his drinking he couldn't enjoy it and um i remember when i first read that i related to that a lot and i like to repeat it <laughs> every opportunity i get it's um that's me to a t i um you know, when I'd go to a function or something like that where there's a, a glass of wine um, on offer, um, if it was just one, I'd rather not have it um, rather than rather than have one because having just one would set off for me uh, a really powerful craving for more. And um, I never really realised that my friends didn't have that same experience when they drank. Um, even some of them who were heavy drinkers, they liked alcohol um, and they might want more, but they didn't have that total dominating requirement to, to have more. Um, and so, you know, I'd, I'd prefer to have none than, than have some. Um, and what I really liked about drinking was to... Um, to get re to get drunk and to to cut loose, you know, the idea of one or two totally is has never really interested me. Getting drunk has um, has always been my mo, and um, I, I thought that um, you know that might change with time, and but in fact it um, it didn't. I started when I was um, was quite young and had to be sort of secretive about my drinking from the outset because I lived in a home with a, a sober father um, who was of course concerned that I would become an alcoholic as he had and as his father had and as his grandfather, you know, so on and so forth. 
Um, and so I had to be sneaky about it, or at least I thought I was, you know. But he would still pick me up um, from parties. He was always very firm about that, that no matter what was happening, I could call him and he'd come and pick me up and he'd pick me up and I'd be three sheets of the wind and think that I was getting, you know, think that he had no idea. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm sure he could, you know, I'm sure I smelt like um, vodka cruises or whatever it was that we were drinking at that point in time. Um, and then I came to Wellington, aged 18, um, by myself, and that was a great freedom to um, start to drink how I, I wanted to drink, and I I drank for um, seven years in the city, and at the end of it, I was just drinking by myself um, in a very routinized, habitualized way, and um, there was no way that I could stop doing that. I just I'd swear off. I'd try to swear off for a weekend just to sort of recuperate because I was getting worn down but you know I'd be back there same bottle shop same order um every you know every Friday and Saturday night and sometimes Wednesdays and Thursdays um as well you know depending on how things were going um and eventually I you know I realized that I was like my father and um drinking was a problem for me and um I understood from him that he doesn't go to AA, but I understood from him that the only thing an alcoholic can do, um, you know, he can't moderate. Um, and I sort of I knew that by experience. I'd had that sneaking suspicion for a long time that sobriety was the treatment. What I didn't understand at that time was that um, actually, the, you know, the treatments for alcoholism are drinking alcohol or some kind of recovery. Um, and at first I started you know I did neither of those things I I, um, I dried out and stopped drinking but I wasn't doing anything by way of recovery and I spent a couple of years like that and it was um, not a, a pleasant or um, um, peaceful time in my life things were better without alcohol of, of course but um, I had grown up since age 15 um, with alcohol as a um, as my best friend and comfort, um, and in my in my aid and all difficult things and relationships and dealing with other people and here I was twenty seven years old um, and dry not drinking uh, and trying to do all of these things which I had done previously with the assistance of alcohol and I was just unable to do them. Um, and I had to just retreat from life and um, the world in order to cope, and, and that was our way to live. Um, I knew about AA through film and literature and what have you, and um, so at the end of the lockdowns in 2020, very depressed and lonely, I went to my first meeting, which was the Friday Living Sober meeting here in Wellington, 5.30 on Hopper Street, and... Um, you know, I kept coming back after that because what I heard at that meeting was um, stories that were very similar to my own. And um, I'd spent two years sort of trying to explain to friends of mine why, like, I, I, I couldn't drink and what drinking was like for me and so on, and nobody really understood. But when I went to an AA meeting, I could tell by other people's stories that um, they had the same experience as me and that they did understand and I understood them and that was a great relief um, and that's what I found uh, here in AA and that was the beginning for me was 
relating to other alcoholics um, and then I just kept coming back and over time I saw that um, some people were um, doing things that were making their lives um, better and more peaceful and serene and were working a program of recovery in the 12 steps and that um, those people had sponsors and they attended meetings regularly and they spent time with other alcoholics and so on and so you know I did that and um, yeah my sponsor's here at this program and today and um, we worked through the steps together <laughs> and um, that was dif- you know difficult but um, it, it was good to have you know have something to do and it was totally different to um, the two years that I'd spent um, sober but but not doing anything um, by way of, of recovery and um, it hasn't all been totally straightforward and um, what is it maybe I'm coming up on two years I think um, on the 2nd of January uh, which will be exciting and I look forward to I'll be here in Wellington I'll be able to click my chip at my Sunday morning meeting um, and I'm very proud of that but you know it's not it's not always been it's not always been easy but I'm so much better equipped to deal with um, life and, you know, I have a new relationship now and um, it's very different to ones which I had before and those which I had when I was drinking and um, when I was um, not drinking but not in recovery um, and, yeah, this program and um, the people I've met through it have uh, given me the, the tools and wisdom to start living living life without alcohol rather than simply you know, being being dry. Um, so I'm very grateful for that, and it's um, it's good that I, you know, I feel good that I can come and share with you about that um, this morning because it's, you know, I wasn't able to be of use to to other people or other alcoholics when I was um, just not drinking and and by myself. So yeah, that's another thing that's that's great about AA is. Um, you know, they say you have to give it away to keep it, and and I find that's true. The more um, the more I'm I'm putting into this, the more I'm getting out of it. So, yeah. Well, thanks for asking me to share. And thanks, Sasha. Thanks, Sasha. <laughs> All right. This is uh, Wellington Access Radio one hundred six point one FM, and you're listening to Alcoholics Anonymous meeting on air. Uh, now, if you want to get in touch with AA. There's a website, aa.org.nz, and I'm looking at the desktop version at the moment. There's works just as well on the phone, but there's a there's a big um, a big button that says "I need help," and if you click on that, it'll takes you to some options. I need to find a meeting. I need to talk now. And it's got a free phone number, and I need some information. So I think uh, the the or well, the phone number is 0800 229. Six seven five seven. Uh, it's a free phone number. You can call that and speak to uh, an alcoholic who's been sober a little while, and they can answer some of your questions and perhaps direct you to a meeting. Uh, if you need to find a meeting, you can just click on the option. I need to find a meeting, and that takes you to a map and some options, and you can choose um, meetings all around the country uh, and some of them are, are live meetings there's also online meetings as well I mean just looking on the options for Saturday uh, there's probably about 40 odd options um, for meetings around New Zealand and there's probably about seven or eight of them 
will, will be online meetings today. So it means you don't have to be in the city or town where they are. You can just uh, sign up on uh, using your Zoom and uh, you know, turn up to a meeting. It's, it's fantastic. All right, um, what I'll do then is I'll, I'll just do another little um, bit of a reading just to, um, just to um, provide us with some more inspiration. So what we often do is read chapter 5, how it works. So I will read that now as well. So the beginning of chapter 5, how it works from the book called Alcoholics Anonymous, which is more or less like a textbook for AA. So chapter 5, how it works. Really have we seen a fail a person fail, <laughs> who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunates. They are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those too who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened and what we are like now. If you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. At some of these we balked, we thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. Remember that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful. Without help it is too much for us. But there is one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. Half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. 1. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. 2. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. 3. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. 4. Made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. 5. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. 6. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. 7. Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. 8. Made a list of all persons we had harmed, and became willing to make amends to them all. 9 made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us, and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Many of us exclaimed, What an order! I can't go through with it. Do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like 
perfect adherence to these principles. We are not saints. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we have set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. A. That we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. B. That probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. And C. That God could and would if he were sought. Alright, so after that reading from chapter 3 of the uh, book Alcoholics Anonymous, I'll ask Rosie if you'd like to share. Thanks, Dan. Kia ora koutou. My name's Rosie and I'm an alcoholic. Kia ora, Rosie. Good to be here. Um, thank you for the readings and for sharing. Um, I was just reflecting then on kind of the confusion that came for me whilst drinking. Um, yeah, just making so many promises to myself that I wouldn't get wrecked, that I wouldn't drink too much, and then waking up, not remembering the night, covered in sick, or um, having accidentally taken lots of drugs and not understood how it had happened when I'd had such a strong revol- resolve that this time I'd just have a few and I'll just get nicely drunk and remember the night and it'll be fun. And I tried a lot of things apart from stopping drinking um, and entering sobriety to um, to to just be able to be nicely drunk, like reading lots of self-help books and got a bit of therapy and maybe I would go running and, yeah, it just... Eventually, like I could stay stopped for a while, but I'd always end up drinking again. And like the big book says, um, it's almost like the longer the period I stopped, the harder the crash would be. Because I'd, I don't know, like I'd be um, trying to make up for lost time or I'd um, false sense of security that now I'm fixed so I can drink like a normal person. But the last time I got um, very drunk, I... um, I just remember waking up and just knowing at the back of my mind that like this is like this is it like I'm I'm gonna get really wrecked but it was it was hard to it's hard to explain it's like I knew but I didn't know it's like hiding it from myself um and I remember that day just alcohol wasn't giving me what I wanted it to it was making me feel sick and tired um so I just thought well I'll just have to drink more and I was like shoving vodka down me and I felt horrible and I was pushing through and um, apparently that's not how normal people drink, um, which I didn't realise. And now that I don't drink, I when I hang around normal drinkers, because I'm at a point now where I can be around alcohol, but I just kind of, <laughs> it reminds me that I'm an alcoholic because I look at how they drink and I'm like, what are you up to? Like, it's just not how I would drink, like having one or two. And then just being like, oh, I'm tired or like, oh, I'm done. And seeing people's behaviour not really change. Um, even just around normal drinks, like I will skull like tea or coffee or even water and other people sip and I just can't. It's just not me. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I'm at a, p- a p- point now where I can kind of laugh at those kind of traits. And I don't see those things changing. Like I think that is inherent in my nature is when I feel a little bit high, I want to get more high. So uh, coffee is for an example, but, you know, any drug, any mind altering substance, that's what happens in my biology is it hits my system and I want more. And that's certainly how it was with alcohol. Um, But it had consequences that um, coffee doesn't have, like alcohol made me extremely miserable Um, for me. And I think like I've heard other people, um, other women, especially in the program, say that it was um, it was tied into an eating disorder for me. So 
like ultimately I didn't feel comfortable in how I looked and I didn't like myself and drinking made me feel confident and feel better about myself um, and at first that worked it worked for a bit it was actually a solution but time went by and um, it stopped working and I and I had to um, I had to drink to feel better about myself and I would restrict food in order to drink and then I would have to restrict food because I drank and um, it was a really uncomfortable miserable place to be in so um yeah the last I think the thing that really kind of made me realize that was having therapy for the the eating disorder and then realizing like ah, oh, I can't I can't be happy I can't get over this if I keep drinking um and so I decided to stop and I managed to stop for a year on my own without AA um but then I when I realized when I was having thinking thoughts of drinking again I, I just Oh, something about it irked me because I know I'd said never again at one point. So I came into AA and um, haven't had an alcoholic drink since, but had um, used drugs throughout the first year or two recreationally. Um, and so I haven't um, I haven't used or drank for almost two years now. And I guess the reason I bring that up is because to demonstrate that for me, it was just a slow process of letting go of the fact that I just need to take no mind-altering substances. And um, I honestly thought at one point, uh, the craving, the the ultimate... Um, I thought that I would never be able to just let go completely. I thought, I'm always going to, at the back of my mind, want to drink or take drugs in some way. But I can honestly say that that's gone now. Like, I'm, I'm happy being sober, and I put that down to this program. Um, and that, for me, that letting go, like it talked about that in that last reading, like... And they say in AA, let go and let God. The letting go for me is the is really the fundamental one of the fundamental parts of this program. Like, and it's not just around alcohol. It's on a daily basis, realizing that I don't have ultimate control over everything. Um, I can have influence over some things, but I I don't really control anything. And and if I become under the illusion that I can, or I try to, I get agitated because that's just not how life works. Um, and it's just such a um, it's just such a nicer space to be in when I kind of go with the flow of life. Like obviously making an effort with things, but realizing that you know things always work out one way or another. And certainly I don't have any control over people and powerless over other people. Um, things often don't go my way, and and that's okay. Um, so yeah, the part of the program which says hand your day over in the morning, for me that just means looking out at the sky. And realizing that everything like life, life, you know, God or life, whatever you want to call it, is got it like without me trying to um, direct everything and that things might, you know, not go to plan, but that's OK. And I, I make that I make that kind of decision to, to hand over my will in that way every morning and um, my, my days go better and um, the craving for alcohol has gone. Um, and that was a result of, yeah, practicing letting go, acceptance, um, going to regular meetings, doing the steps um, and realizing that it's a, yeah, it's a daily program. It's a daily reprieve. I don't just do a certain amount of spiritual things and read a certain amount of stuff and then I'm fixed. I'll always be an alcoholic um, and my goal is to suffer less and to help other people. So if I can practice my version of spirituality in the steps daily, then not only do I have peace of mind, but I can have a better influence on other people in the world, especially other people that are struggling with alcohol. Um, 
I'm Buddhist, so I kind of work the 12 steps in a Buddhist framework. And, and I like that about the program is you don't have to subscribe to a certain religion. You can if you want to, but you don't have to. Um, and I think that makes it very accessible for, for all different types of people from all walks of life. Um, I do I do meditate and I find that gives me a lot of peace of mind and awareness around my habits and the things that might lead to agitation, which could, you know, could ultimately lead to a drink. But I just don't let my state of mind get to that point so meditation and, and prayer for me are very important um and yeah like the meetings I think ultimately really they're about identifying of course and reminding ourselves that we're alcoholics and, and sharing with others but it's it's really for me a, a way to practice generosity like I actually just that's something on a daily basis how can I give to others how can I be of service even in just small ways because Obviously, it feels good and it helps others, but it gets me out of my head and it, it stops me from thinking that I'm the most important thing in the universe. Because when I start thinking about how am I feeling on a microscopic level, kind of count, counterintuitively, I suffer more. So when I get asked to say so, do service, if I can, then I do it. You know, I'm not just like, oh, does that fit in with my schedule? I just do it and move other things around. Um but I like it what it said in that reading about, you know, it's not about spiritual perfection because, I mean, those kind of idealistic views just are, oh, they're just soul destroying because who can really achieve that, right? Um, so I guess my approach is just doing the best I can with what I have at that time. And if I fall short of my ideals and one day I don't give myself a hard time because it just, I know through experience that actually doesn't help help me or, or anyone else. Um, so um, I guess now that I'm sober, what I'm trying to say is I'm I'm much more flexible with things. Like if if I have to, um, I don't know, move my life around because that's how life goes. Like I used to be quite crushed when things didn't go my way. Um, but yeah, just being sober, I guess, has also given me a, an opportunity to work on myself and better myself in ways that I couldn't whilst drinking because when I was drinking... I was just trying to recover from a from a hangover, and and when I wasn't trying to recover from a hangover, I was planning my next drinking session. Um, yeah, I remember like all the things that you don't realize are related to alcoholism, and then you hear other people talk about them, and you're like, "Whoa, I thought that was just me." Um, one of those things was um, the sickening excitement of a Friday, like just oh, I just would be so excited all day because I knew I was going to get wrecked. But it wasn't like a fun excitement. It was like a quite embodied, like nervous feeling. Um, and I like that I don't have those extreme highs and lows now. Um, someone was asking me or I was talking to other sober alcoholics um, before the meeting about what we're doing for New Year's. And it doesn't it doesn't even cross my mind that it's a thing now because I'm not desperately um, planning drinking. And maybe to some people that sounds boring. But for me, it's freedom because... Like, well, in a way, every day is special, you know, like I want to enjoy every day. I don't need a, like a 1st of January or 31st of December to kind of um, be this huge celebration. And um, when I was drinking, I, oh, yeah, I remember thinking, I'm happy to die 10 years younger, you know, so that I can still get drunk. And I'm happy to have the crushing loads for the, the euphoric highs. But um, that changed over time. And, and I just quite like being like, you know, not having huge highs. I, I still, I just, most days I'm happy. And, um, and I, I know that that's because I have the 12 steps and my Buddhist practice and meditation and prayer and all these resources, which 
there's just so much out there like you know talking about the website it's just we're so fortunate now that we've got all these resources and I just um I'm just every day really in awe of the fact that the people that love alcohol the most in AA don't drink like that is if there's a, if there's a miracle like that is one and the fact that um people are going about their I don't know their day being generous and sharing their stories and I just find it incredibly inspiring and I'm just very grateful to be part of it and yeah long may it continue so thank you thank you Rosie all right this is uh Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM and you're listening to uh Alcoholics Anonymous meeting on air now this meeting has a Facebook page and it's called AA on Air Wellington and every so often we'll do a little post advertising our next meeting. Uh, there's details about how to get um, access to uh, previous meetings. There's a little link to the Access Radio website, which has how many of the last meetings? Probably around about the last eight or nine meetings. So most of the ones from this year are on there, which is really cool. Uh, so I mean, you can go back and listen to those meetings again, if you you know, rather than just listen live or just listen to this one. There's more and more and more, which is great. Um, and so also on the Facebook page, there's an option to message us. So if you'd like to um, tell us anything about the show or just um, say hi from wherever you are in the world, because it's not just people from New Zealand that listen to this, then we'd be most grateful to receive your message and we will um, re- respond to you as well. So that's great. All right, well, I think it's um, around about time for me to share now. So um, I'm Dan, I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Dan. And, um, yeah, it's great to be here, and um, I really appreciate being able to do these meetings, and, it, and it's really nice to be able to have people come into the studio and share live. And, um, yeah, for me, like I, I did absolutely love alcohol. I loved it. I loved everything about it. I loved what it did for me. I loved the the sights and the sounds and the smells that related to alcohol. I loved walking into a bar, hearing all the glasses clinking and the the, the voices. And um, <clears throat> there's there's a, a bit in the um, the big book of AA where Bill Bill W who um, writes about himself. He mentions about um, I had arrived, and that's that's the way I felt <clears throat> when I walked into a bar. I felt like I have arrived, you know, and. Um, yeah, it was um, it was it was such a big part of my life, and I, my whole life revolved around drinking. Like um, even even before um, the legal age of drinking in New Zealand, um, I'd reached it. <clears throat> so um, when, I, when I could first get my own supply, I was fifteen, and the drinking age was twenty. So that that changed my life even more that I could actually access my own alcohol by it myself, and I can I could control how much I was drinking. Although ironically. Um, you know, it wasn't about control. It was about losing control, and so, <clears throat> so I, I really didn't enjoy myself so much. And uh, the problem with that was that other people around me weren't enjoying it quite so much. Uh, members of my family and friends, um, my bank manager probably wasn't enjoying it too much, um, and just random people who I'd come into contact with as well. Uh, I'd annoy people when I was drunk. I'd just get myself in, in situations. Um, where I'd be dangerous and I would um, end up hanging out with people that I wouldn't normally want to hang out with and did lots of things which I'm ashamed and embarrassed about. Um, But that didn't stop me. Like I was just, you know, I was happy just to carry on. And um, 
yeah, I got myself in quite a bit of trouble in my late teens and early 20s. And, um, but I managed to sort myself out a little bit, uh, carried on drinking, but, um, but yeah, um, it wasn't until my, my mid-30s really when, um, I mean, um, like, you know, life wasn't that bad, but it was, um, it was bad enough that I ended up in the rooms of AA. And I kind of, I feel like I sort of caught myself at a weak moment really, that if I'd left it a day or two, I would have felt better and carried on. But that, you know, this particular night and morning, I just, I got myself in such a state and, and got really upset with myself and and um, decided I wanted to do something about it. And I rang the, the phone number that I read out earlier, the 800 number for AA. And someone spoke to me and told me about a meeting that was just down the road, um, you know, that morning. And so I, I, I went. And... <laughs> I was, you know, I've been drinking all night basically, and so I got there and um, you know they asked me to share, and so I did share, and I had a big cry and you know breathed alcohol fumes over everybody, and um, and they said keep coming back, <laughs> and um, and I, I did keep coming back, <laughs> and um, and I've done that ever since, and I think well, um, I'm not sure I'm not sure what it is exactly that I wanted from from AA and I wasn't exactly sure even what was on offer but I was pretty sure that I didn't want what I had and um, I just didn't want to um, I just didn't want to do it anymore like just trying to trying to manage my drinking like just trying to think about where the money was coming from which nights I could drink um, who I could drink with um, how I could manipulate the situation so I could get the maximum amount of booze that I could for the least amount of money uh, how could I do it without annoying other people in my life? And uh, what could I get away with? Um, <clears throat> it was all it was it was getting pretty tiring, you know. And like, um, but I'd accepted it as um, <clears throat> as part of my life. It was part of my persona, part of my personality. And I did relate to that, that you know, excitement of feeling on Friday nights as well. Like, just really looking forward to that time where I could just you know, finish work and go out drinking. I used to make up stories and lie about who, you know, if I was meeting up with someone, I, I, I probably wasn't. And just all these excuses to go out drinking and just you know, living a double life. But anyway, I'd, I managed to, you know, come into the rooms of AA <coughs> and um, and I'd, pretty soon I'd um, got myself a sponsor. I was kind of given a sponsor and um, started working on the steps and that was the best thing I could ever have done. Uh, like, um, like I, I think, well, um, this the whole kind of idea is to uh, you know start you know start working the program as soon as possible. Really, I think was for me. Um, to me, like just not trying to not drink and going to AA meetings wouldn't have been enough. Like it was it was enough for the first couple of weeks, but I needed something else and that something else was working on the 12 steps and I got a sponsor to help me through that so it wasn't something I had to do on my own and so we'd meet up every week and gradually work through the steps starting from step one and carrying on through two and three and <clears throat> and um, yeah eventually uh, I'd, you know I'd you know, we'd work through the 12 steps and um, like as soon as I stopped drinking my life got better straight away um, and um, so that was reason enough to, to keep going. And, um, you know, like, like for me, um, it was almost like 
being a cat again. Like I'd get excited about, you know, staying up late and eating lollies and and <laughs> just like not not having to deal with hangovers, lying, um, just you know, feeling awful. Um, you know, feeling physically awful, but also feeling guilty about the things I'd done, the things I'd said, um, the things I'd promised people, or um, wh- where I was, what I was actually doing, but telling people other things, <laughs> lies. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so so it, was, it was such a relief to not have to live like that anymore. And I was I was kind of worried that I'd lose lose my coolness as well if I stopped drinking. And um, yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't think anyway. Um, like I'm, I'm doing fuck all the stuff now than what I was when I was drinking. Um, I, I play um, music and you know various sort of rock bands and things. I've done more of that as a sober person than I did when I was drinking, and at a much higher standard. And I've had a lot more fun. Um, I get to do cool things like um, this radio show, which I never would have imagined um, I would have wanted to do, but I, you know, now it's just something that I just thoroughly enjoy. Uh, there's so much, um, you know, so many aspects of my life that are better from not drinking, and um, and I think like for me that the real key is being able to help other people. Um, you know, like I, I feel like I'll never be able to repay fully, all, you know, the time and the effort that people put into me at the beginning, but I think like I I can at least try. So I do try and um, help others. You know, like um, try and sponsor. Um, you know, alcoholics, you know, uh, new new people, and um, help them through the steps. And I've done that uh, quite a few times, and looking forward to doing more of that. And that's kind of like, you know, pretty much the best bit, like to see people recover. It's um, yeah, and that's what I tell people that I'm sponsoring. It's like, well, um, you know, you're working through your stuff right now, but the whole idea is, um, so that you've you know w- worked the twelve steps and that you continue to do that. And so that you can pass that on to someone else and watch them recover, and that's kind of the best bit. And kind of if you if you don't do that, not only may might you drink again, but you miss out on the best bit of you know of of passing it on to someone else who needs it, you know, um, or someone else who wants it, you know, because there's a saying about AA is for those who want it, not for those who need it. And um, yeah, I have seen uh, many people come in, and um, it doesn't seem to be this. There's not that many people that that stick around, um, but those that do, um, it's just incredible to, to watch people's lives transform and change and grow. And um, yeah, and every so often you see someone come back after a few years, and um, yeah, it's always good to see them. But you kind of think, you know, like, <laughs> and everyone comes in in their own time, but. Um, yeah, and it's, it is nice to see people coming back. Um, but for, you know, for me, um, I'm not sure if I if I did go out drinking again, if I if I would come back again. I'd like I'd like to think that I would, but I'm not really sure. You know, so I'd rather just not take that chance, and um, and keep doing the same things every day that I've done to keep me sober up to this point. And that's all about um, you know doing a bit of prayer and meditation. Um, you know, helping others, getting to meetings regularly, having a sponsor. I've still got a sponsor, and I'm in touch with him regularly. And you know, in terms of helping others, you know, I've got a, I've got uh, a couple of sponsees that I help as well. And um, yeah, it's a good life. You know, it's like um, 
there's definitely like a line in a, a line in the sand of like my life before, you know, before like when I was drinking and my life after that, and my life after that is just so much better. You know, if it wasn't, <clears throat> I'd, I'd go back to drinking. You know, um, but yeah, <laughs> I don't want to. So um, I'm enjoying this too much. So I'll, I'll leave it there, and um, I'll, I'll finish with a bit of a reading. Actually, it's um, <clears throat> it's uh, it's called the Promises, and it's from the from the the book Alcoholics Anonymous as well. And it's on page eighty three and eighty four, so it's part of the chapter into action. So I'll read that before we close. <clears throat> if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realise that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. And we're almost out of time, um, so we'll just end with a serenity prayer. <laughs> so if you'd like to join me, God, <laughs> grant me the serenity. To accept, to accept the things, things I cannot change, courage to change the things, things I can, and, and wisdom. wisdom. That program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.